And even as they're going through the story, it's not fully understandable. They don't fully know who they are. And even when they're told they're meant to be kings and queens, it's like shooting right over their head. They can't see what Aslan has already declared. They can't actually understand. They don't know who they really are. Church, that is our story. You do not know who you are. You have royalty on you. And we do not often understand that there is this story that has been written already by the king. And he is ready to bring it about. He's ready for us to come into an understanding, a revelation of who he is and what he is doing in our lives. And we have no idea what all we could be because often we're willing to stay on the sidelines. And the point of this series is to say, we cannot stay on the sidelines. If God has written a story in which he has called you royalty, and what I mean by that is this, that you have literally been called a co-heir with the king of the universe. Let me say that again. You have been named a co-heir with the king of the universe. And we can say that in 2020 in Middle Tennessee, it doesn't always feel that way, but that does not make it any less true. It is what God says about us. You and I are royalty, which means that we were meant for living way more than just to eke out an existence. That there is something grander and greater that we're all supposed to be a part of. And the point of even this series is to begin to ask the question, who am I made to become in the next five years? Who am I supposed to become? You can throw that on the screen. Who am I going to be? Where is God taking me? What is he going to accomplish? Where is he leading me? What is he doing? Because if I am royalty, if we are a part of God's plan, if we don't maybe understand or know, ought we to begin to ask the question, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you taking me? Now, listen. Even in the natural, apart from all those things, if you think about what we could accomplish in the next five years, just in the natural, there's amazing things. There's amazing things that we could do in the next five years. You could literally be fluent in another language in five years. I don't know, you, have, have you thought about that? You could totally be fluent in a completely different language, five years, no problem, easy. You could do that. And I'm telling you, back in the day, like if you wanted to learn a new language, you like had to find classes, you had to go to it. You can literally right now grab your phone. You can learn a brand new language just on your phone. You could do that. I mean, it is totally available to you, easy as possible. Listen, you can learn a language that isn't even a real language. Like if you want to learn Klingon, you Star Trek nerds, you can do that. Like there's an app for that. You can learn Klingon. That's a thing. No time at all. Five years, you're totally fluent in Klingon, if that's something in your heart. You could, in five years, you could get a degree. Totally something completely different. If you needed to, to change the trajectory of your life and you're looking at it, you're going, I don't know how I could do that. Listen to me, in five years, you could absolutely do that. It only took you four years to get through high school, right? And that was hell on earth, right? <laughs> Come on, all right? Four years getting through hell on earth, but five years, look, man, the Lord is ready. God could do anything. 
You could do that easily, absolutely, without question five years. Listen, you could learn a completely different skill. Like, you know, you get on and you look at the YouTube or you get on Pinterest and you find the, the people that like make these amazing tables and you go, man, that's so amazing. You could be making the table five years. You could be doing that. You could learn a brand new skill, something that you have literally no idea how to do today in five years you could be amazing at. That is all of those things in our kids in here. Listen, if in five years, listen, all, if all you did was save a dollar a day for five years, in five years, you'd have almost $2,000. Two grand, you're saving up for something, right? Your parents are gonna buy you a hoopty and you're like, I got two grand, let's upgrade this thing, right? Whatever. Five years is an amazing amount of time just in the natural to see things totally shifted and changed. Five years is an amazing amount of time. God has designs on this thing that go far beyond, far beyond just the things that we could accomplish in the natural, right? In five years, your marriage could be really, it could be richer and stronger than it's ever been. Or hear this, in five years, your marriage could be in tatters. I want you to think about that. Five years is an amazing amount of time for something great to happen. It's also an amazing amount of time for the enemy to try to come and steal and destroy. It's an important five years that we have in front of us. And so the, one of the things that what we said last week is this. There's a couple things we have to do. One, we've got to wake up. Wake up and be aware that there's an enemy that is out to kill, that is out to seek to make sure that we stay with the status quo and that we don't have a fresh vision for the next five years ahead. To put off, if you will, to push off the things that are pulling us down. To allow us to begin to identify the things that are slowly killing us from the inside out, calling out the junk, getting rid of the stuff. That scripture that we looked at last week, to wake up, be prepared, be aware that God is moving. Find someone who loves you and bring them on a journey to say, here's the stuff that's going on in my life. I wanna lay these things down. Could be a lie that you've been believing your entire life. It's time to kill that thing. It might be shame that just keeps coming and keeps you from ever moving into the things that God has for you, whatever it is. Could be a stronghold that you've had that's crippling you and keeping you from stepping out. The Lord's ready. He's saying, wake up. I'm, I'm here and ready to do, to do business, to work on those things. Then secondarily, after you wake up, then it's actually time to go into dream mode. And just begin to believe that God has incredible things that he wants to accomplish, that he wants to do. What are the dreams God's putting in your heart? Apart from the things that we might could accomplish over the next five years, what are the dreams? What is God doing? What, are, what is he putting in you to accomplish? There are big things ahead. You were made for more. So let's dream. Let's ask. And then once we've woken up and seen the things that are pulling us down and asked for the body to come around us and to help us fight tooth and nail to get out of that and then to begin to dream and see what God wants to do, it's time to take a step. What does it look like to take a step? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll just do verse 6 and 7 this morning. So this is Paul, is the apostle, and he's writing to a disciple of his named Timothy, one he was raising up and doing ministry with. And he looks at Timothy and he, he makes this request, if you will, or command actually in declaration. He says, for this reason, I 
remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame that thing that has been imparted to you. There is action that actually has to be taken to take what God has said about you, to take what he has declared over you, to take the dreams that he is putting in your heart and then to take and to say, it's time to fan it into flame. There is something that has to begin to take place. What Paul's saying is, this thing isn't going to move forward with you sitting idly by. You have got to begin to fan into flame the thing that has been imparted to you. There has to be an action taken. Now, any of you like science? Anybody, anybody science? A couple, couple, couple people science? Science people? You'll know. Um, would you hand me that brick? Sorry, I was supposed to bring that up here and I forgot. I was super jazzed about our morning. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I was distracted by the chipmunks. Okay. Some of you are familiar with Sir Isaac Newton. And I know you're thinking, I'm so glad that I'm in church and getting a science lesson. This is so good. So Sir Isaac Newton was basically the one that discovered, well, I mean, he didn't, I mean, he discovered the laws, if you will, some of the laws of gravity and motion. It's from his observation. I think maybe like you were, if I remember right, he was sitting under the tree, the apple hit him on the head and he was like, gravity, this is a thing. We probably should study it see what it does to us, right? So he, he does this study and he begins to come up with laws of motion. One of those laws of motion is called inertia. Inertia. Oh my gosh, you're in it now. I can see your faces. You're like, this is so good. This is so good. All right, inertia. Inertia, the law of inertia is objects will remain either at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. Everybody say external force. External force. So something that is parked or not moving is not going to move at all unless an external force comes against it. Now, I've got my brick here. This is my lovely brick. Love this brick. It's such a good brick. And, but it's, it's this one of these heavy objects. It's a heavy object. It's not light. And so you can put some pressure or force on it. If I were to put this amount of pressure or force on a balloon, it'd go wherever I told it to. But I put this amount of pressure or force on a brick, it's not going anywhere. And in fact, it's going to take a significant action, a dramatic or drastic action to actually get the thing that is immovable to move. And so this is that physical law that we see all in the universe actually applying to our everyday lives. Listen, the entire universe is operating under this law. The, the universe wants to stay in the same state that it is. Everything that's going on, whether it's in space or here, this same law actually uh, exists everywhere. This law of inertia, that the thing that is immovable is gonna stay immovable unless something comes against it all the time. In fact, the word, for the, 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 the word inertia comes from the Latin word inerse, right? It means to literally be inactive, helpless, weak, sluggish, idle. That's the Latin word. Idle, not moving. And so what we see is that, listen, 
everything wants to remain inactive. It wants to kind of continue this trajectory without movement. It's gonna stay, if it's in motion, it's gonna keep staying on that same trajectory and it's not going to move or go into anywhere different or the thing that's stuck is not going anywhere unless something begins to move it. Everything is idle without an action against it. That's the theory. Whatever is not in motion is going to stay that way. A force has to come against it to move it. This is what we experience in our lives. If you find yourself in a place where there's unhealthy relationships, guess what happens if nothing happens to the unhealthy relationship? If no external force moves the unhealthy relationship, guess where it will be five years from now? Totally unhealthy. If you find yourself in a job that you are miserable in, And if you continue to just stay in that miserable place, in five years, what will you be? Miserable. It is the law of physics, right? If you find yourself today, if you're in a spiritual rut, God seems like he's a million miles away and you're just trying to kind of get by, let me tell you, If nothing changes over the next five years, where will you be spiritually? Dead and in a rut. This is what we'll see. And Paul is saying, you've been given something so valuable. Something's been imparted to you of worth and value. You gotta fan it into flame. There's gotta be movement, a force, an action to begin to move in whatever God has declared whatever he is doing, whatever he's creating, whatever he is putting in you for the next five years, it's gotta be fanned into flame. There's gotta be a movement. You gotta jump into partnership with what God is doing to jumpstart that just with a little bit of faith that fan into flame the thing that is inside of you. And you go, well, man, that sounds awesome. So why don't we do something? Why don't we? Well, He explains exactly why we don't do it. Because look at the very next verse, verse seven. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It says here, fan into flame the gift that was imparted to you, the thing that you've been given, the thing that God has designed and crafted you for, what is given to you, fan it into flame because there absolutely, unequivocally, without question, is a spirit of fear ready to crush the thing that God wants to do in you. There is a spirit of fear that is ready to grab you by the throat and pin you down and keep you from operating in the very thing that you were meant to become in the next five years. And he's saying, that's not the spirit that you were imparted though. What you were given was a spirit of power. You were given a spirit of love. You were given a spirit of self-control. Because anytime we begin to dream or believe about the things that God wants to do in our homes or in our marriages or with our kids or, or, or in our church or in the city or whatever it is, when we begin to dream, immediately what happens is we start asking the questions, but what if I can't do that? What if it doesn't work? What if that rocks the boat? 
What if that kind of changes things? What if it messes things up? What if somebody doesn't approve of what I'm doing? You ever had something that you was in your heart to do, but you became crippled with fear because somebody might judge you for what you felt like you were supposed to do? What if I'm thought less of by my family or my friends for trying to step out in this way, doing what the Lord's called me to do? All those kind of accusations, all those kind of anxieties, anytime the Lord wants to begin to move us, the enemy will begin to seed those things, those places of fear to keep us locked. What? Right here. Inertia. Not moving. Not being transformed. Not being shaped. Stuck. Right here. And Paul's saying, listen, but You weren't called to be stuck. I want you to fan into flame because you were given a spirit of power, love, and and self-control. Listen, wherever God is taking you, I want you to hear this. Wherever God is taking you in the next five years, God has the creative power to get you all the way there. Wherever the Lord is moving you, he's got everything you need to get there. And he's actually calling, he's looking for kids, partners that are willing to say, yes, Father, with me. I want to be a part of what you're doing over the next five years. I want to find myself full of purpose and worth because I'm saying yes to you. I will not be stuck with a spirit of fear, unmovable but I will say yes to you and be in partnership with what you're doing. It is what God uh, is, it is who God is, full of power to accomplish and to get us all the way there. If you've been, if you have given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then listen to me. The Holy Spirit of God has all the power inside of you to accomplish what He has called you to be and to do. And so here's my question. What action can we begin to take today for God to begin to move in us a chain reaction that pulls us and pushes us and moves the immovable object to where God has called us to be in the next five years? What are the things that we might need to step out in? You might not even feel a whole bunch in the moment, but that move that we take by faith to say, God, I want you to accomplish and craft this in me. What are the dreams that God's put in your heart? And then what is the step that we're meant to begin to take today? What is the thing that God wants you to overcome? What is the thing? What is the challenge that you're meant to face? And what is step number one to begin to do that? We need the action to move the brick, right? We need that drastic external force to kind of begin to dislodge us from the trajectory of just staying the same to actually move us in a completely new and fresh and different direction, right? And so some of us actually just need to step out and say, listen, I'm not going to stay like a brick anymore. I don't want to be the brick any longer. I don't want to stay in this immovable place. Some of you have a dream. Here, I want to say this. Some of you have a dream that God's put in your heart to do, but you haven't said it out loud yet. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, your first step is you need to say, here's my dream, and I'm telling, the, I'm telling somebody. I'm putting it, writing it down. In fact, there's been studies shown, that uh, one study actually showed that 
Uh, if you write down a goal, if you actually write it down and will regularly look at, look at that goal that you have actually written down and said, if you will said out loud, it's, you're 40% more likely to accomplish the goal than if you don't. If you got a goal up in your head, but you don't say it out loud, it drastically reduces your ability to get there. If some of you got a dream, it's actually time to say something out. Like saying something out loud is an important thing. Our words matter, right? Doing something out loud is one of those drastic actions to move this. Now, I'm, I, I know about this all the time uh, because I tend to not, I don't, I, I'll stay up in my head. I won't say things out loud. I do this all the time. My wife and I'll be having a conversation, right, about our lives or we'll be talking about our marriage or we talking about maybe the future or something like that. And she's like, we're into this conversation. She's talking, she's sharing, she's got this thing. She's like, Lord's doing this and this. And she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, <laughs> and, and so she'll be like, are, are you having a stroke? Are you okay? Like, is it, no, she's not. Actually, that's me being sarcastic. She's not like that. She's just like, what? If you would just say the words out loud, and they're just sometimes, now sometimes there's just like nothing going on because I'm a dude, and that's just possible for dudes. It's like sometimes there's just nothing there. That happens from men from time to time. But sometimes, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like they're asking like, what's going on? You're like, oh, I don't have any thoughts. I don't know. And that's okay, all right? God loves you, you're good, okay, it's okay, all right? But sometimes we're talking about some pretty, maybe even heavy, hard stuff, right? Trying to figure things out. And there are things that are going on in my head, but I don't wanna say them out loud because I'm afraid of what it would mean. I'm afraid sometimes to rock the boat if I say this idea. Or I'm afraid to say something because then I'll have to be held accountable for it. And I find sometimes in our communication that I'm not willing to say things out loud because I know it's the external force that's going to move the brick. And I struggle with that. And I think the Lord is saying that some of you, that you got something in your heart, it's time to, to say, it's time to step out and say something out loud to believe. Listen, listen my, my wife lives for it. She loves to rock the boat, man. She's saying stuff out that she's just like, if we were in a boat, she'd be like, yeah, let's do this thing, right? And I'm like, why? Why are you doing this, right? She lives for it because I love this. Actually, I've learned this from my wife. She can't stand not being in motion, She's got to be in motion. It's so good for our family, but golly, man, I'm just telling you, it's like, and but I'm telling you, sometimes it's worth saying it out loud and just to get the thing moving. And so if there's, let me tell you, if there is a, a, a pink elephant in your relationships or a pink elephant in one of the arenas of life, it might be worth actually saying it out loud to get the thing moving. And saying, God, would you come and overcome this? To write it down, to share it with a friend, to share it with a spouse, to share it with a child. Just say, God, I'm, I'm getting this out here because I want to be in agreement and alignment with your truth more than what I feel. And often allowing the fear inside my head to cripple me from actually taking the step into my calling and destiny in God. It's what the Lord wants to call us to.
if you feel like maybe you're just stuck spiritually, you feel like you're, you, you can't go anywhere, you've been stuck for a long time, man, I'm telling you, you need an action to move the brick. Maybe, this is crazy, maybe you need to get baptized. And I know you're thinking, I, I, I've been baptized. I, was baptized. I remember I was 12, I went through confirmation class and they asked me some questions, I answered all of them and then I got baptized, I'm good. And I'm just, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I, the notion of being baptized one time is totally Western. You won't find that anywhere in the, in the faith that we grew up in. I, I've, I've been to Israel myself, I've seen the mikvahs that they would go down into regularly to be baptized. I said, the difference is that when Jesus came, he said, now you're gonna be baptized in my name. Baptized in my name. I'm telling you, the, being baptized once is awesome. Being baptized twice is amazing, right? Just jump out. And just, I mean, is there a more powerful declaration than just saying, yes, I was baptized before, but I'm just ready to declare to the whole world, hey, I am about the son of God. I want my life to be for him. I mean, honestly, if you think about what baptism actually is, it's actually an incredible picture of going into the grave and then coming out alive. I can't think of a more powerful thing to say, I just wanna do this again. I'm going into the grave with Jesus and I'm coming out alive with him. It's a powerful action just to say, hey, listen, if you're stuck spiritually, let's find something, right? This is what God, this is what the Lord is doing, right? It's not a one-time thing. It's like salvation, right? You've been saved, right? And we are being saved. It's both, right? The, God has anchored our soul forever in heaven, and he is transforming us into his image. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. You've been saved, and you are being saved. Church, there's some motion, movement that needs to take place. This thing of salvation is ongoing, what God is doing, what he has done, anchored forever, and is doing in us. Let's partner with what he wants to do. Maybe you need something to be renewed. It's time to take a step. And in two weeks, we're joining with more than 450 other churches to pray and fast and just to ask God to move. We're joining with Awake in Nashville. In fact, uh, this morning before you leave, we have the awakened prayer packets that are here. You're gonna wanna take them. You can take one as a family. You can take one individually. Whatever you need, take it with you. Maybe what you need just to jump in for what God is doing is to say, I'm gonna partner with this. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna fast. And I'm gonna give up the thing that I need to sustain me just to say, God, you're more important than bread. You're more important than life. I wanna give my life to you. I wanna be in partnership with you. I need something to jog, right? There's nothing that jogs us more than hunger pains, right? When you're like, you're just chilling and you're saying, no, I'm not doing that. And then you see on TV the chocolate cake and you're like, dear Lord Jesus, have mercy on my soul. Have, you, have y'all ever done that when you're fasting? It's like all of a sudden all the food is on TV. Is that, is that just me? I got an issue. So <clears throat> I'm telling you, it might be just time to say, hey, jaw. And listen, hey, if, if you medically like can't do uh, food fasting, find something. Look, fast food or Facebook, one of the two. But fast something and say, God, I'm telling you I wanna be closer and nearer to you than I wanna be comfortable. But let's find the thing. Let's jog. Let's find the external force to move the brick. Maybe you need to, it's finally time to say yes to counseling to fix the unhealthy relationship. 
Maybe it's just time to jump in and say, okay, let's go meet and let's go connect with someone who can help us work through the things that are going on. Maybe it's time for you just to connect with some other believers. It's time for you to join a small group. We want you to be a part of a small group. If you're not a part of a small group here, we want you to be a part of one. It's so important to be around other believers. And I know what you're thinking. I don't know if I'm ready to be able to share my life with like 20 strangers. Great. Don't get in a small group of 20 people. Find a small group of two or three other people. Sit down every other week. Get up around lunch and say, what is God trying to do in us? Guys, what is God trying to do in us, ladies? Let's come together. I mean, it literally, it, it, we'd love, I'd love for you to just start a small group. Find two other people. We'll help you do it. We want to create as many small group, biblical, loving communities as we can possibly build here to say, hey, how can we help each other become what God's created us and crafted us to be over the next five years? Join a small, get into a, listen, don't be in this church and not be in a small group. Find one. Let's, I'll, we'll help you create one. Let's just do life together. It's important. Let's do this. And I tell you, oftentimes, once we step out, what we find is that God is moving, but we don't always feel it, right? That once we take that step, I don't know as many of you have taken a step before to move the immovable object, and it doesn't feel like anything's happening. The good news is, is Jesus is well aware of that. He totally knew that this is a part of the normal part of life. In fact, he says, your faith, your little step, your external force, the step of obedience by faith, all you need is a little mustard seed. All you need is a little mustard. That, that's actually a mustard seed. That's it. That's all you need. That from that place, God will do amazing things. Jesus actually said, from that, I'll, I'll move a mountain. I'll, I'll, I'll shift mountains from that. And in fact, that little thing right there becomes something incredibly great. That's a, that, that little seed right there. That's what that becomes. That's you in five years. You were, go back to the picture before. This is you today. Okay. That's you in five years. This is what God's doing. This is all, listen, that's not within your ability. That's within the ability of the king of the universe. This is what he's crafting. This is what he's doing. Just looking for partners that are willing to say, move me, Lord. Move me. Change me. Shift me. Sometimes we don't feel it. And I know we're going we're gonna to close up here in a couple of minutes. Sometimes we may not feel it. In fact, uh, our, just to go back, we'll finish up with Sir Isaac Newton here. You guys familiar with uh, Newton's cradle? The pendulum? It's one of the craziest things, but what happens is the external force, you ever had one? Anybody had one of these in their desk, right? It's pretty fun, pretty fun little thing. Well, it's fun and then maybe slightly annoying, but then, but mostly fun, right? But you take the, the, the one ball, you pull and you let it go and it's the most amazing thing, but it will hammer down on these other balls and the, these other balls are going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, the other ball on the other end flies out just as far as the one that you pulled in the first place. And one of the most amazing things is that we can put an external force or an external action on something and it seems like nothing is moving. It seems like nothing is actually taking place. It might not feel like anything, like these huge spiritual mountains have been moved, 
and that everything is now okay. We took this one step of obedience and now our whole lives are perfect. It seems like nothing is, it doesn't feel like there's a ton going on. But the truth is, is even though there's nothing actually moving, there is a tremendous amount of force and power that is eventually going to move you to where you're meant to be. The design of the universe is screaming the realities of the king. The laws that we find scientifically are declaring this is what God does. What step are we supposed to take today to create what God is meant to create and purpose to create in us five years from now? How can we begin to stir? How can we fan into flame What is the step that we're meant to take? What God has begun in us. Today is a day for beautiful growth. Today is the day to begin to plant the seed and say, God, would you begin to do this? Maybe we need to say it out loud. Maybe we need to find a friend. Whatever it is, let's begin to ask the Lord. And the Father promises this. Jesus actually says this, Luke 16, 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. God has so many things. He has so many things he wants to do. He has so many things he wants to accomplish. He has so many things that he wants to say. Let's trust him all along this way. You are going to be something powerful and beautiful in five years. Let's just say yes to him today. Can we do that? You guys stand with me. We're just gonna close. Uh, Lindsay, just, just Lindsay, come up. Guys, just close your eyes. I'm gonna close. We're just gonna close this way by just being willing to ask the question. We're gonna take literally 30 seconds and just say, Lord, what are the dreams that are in your heart for me? What are your dreams? They're not my dreams, they're your dreams, and I want them. And how can I just say yes today? What's the external force that needs to be taken, that step of faith and step of obedience. Would you just ask him right now? Don't worry about your friends. Close your eyes. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about anyone else. You don't need to worry about someone else's external action. You're thinking, I know somebody who needs an external action. You can wipe that aside. Just you. God, what are your dreams? And how can I just say yes to you today? the step? Where would you lead us? You've made us royalty. We're meant to shift and shape the realities around us. We're meant to call forward all the things that you have purposed. We're meant to be your hands and feet. We're meant to be the expression of the glory of God on the face of the earth. Listen, church, There is no greater expression of the majesty of the king of the universe than you. Let me say that again. There is no greater expression of the majestic king of the universe than you. That's who you are. It's who you were meant to become, to step into, to trust, co-heirs with Christ, ministers of reconciliation, full of a spirit of power and love and self-control. 
Father, even as I declare that, I'm asking that you would do that in me. Would you, would you remind me, would you remind us of your incredible power? What step, Lord, King, would you have us take today? the end here, I'm fixing to dismiss. We're going to have a few of our prayer partners will be down front. If you're just looking for somebody to partner with you for what, maybe you've got a dream and you're just going, I'm asking the Lord to do this and I don't know how it's going to happen. We would love to be able to pray with you. So our prayer partners will be down front. Let them pray with you and partner with you for what God is doing. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We want to go in the power, love, and self-control of the Spirit of God. We say no to fear and anxiety. We say no to shame. We say yes to the truth of the word of God. Thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance, God's face upon you and give you supernatural, everlasting peace. We receive from you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings. We'll see you. Third partners will be down front.